Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiny East Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to Facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to Twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. You can also go ahead and support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We got more Touristic U Chronicles for you. Alright, so uh, last we left off, uh, Cal picked a fight with a big hulking alien with a giant horn that gores people, and his name is Grinork, and uh, <laughs> or she started a fight between you know him and this other alien, and anyways, it's her fault that he got tortured and 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 now uh he's confronting her in in the hallway uh so <laughs> yeah let's let's see how this goes for cal shall we they tortured me you should uh, probably go rest then or candus feel no pain the creature growled and picked up cal from the ground to look in her eyes uh, apparently you do feel wounded pride, though. The Orkandu roared and slammed Cal into the wall. All the air left her lungs, and she felt like someone had smashed her chest. The Orkandu slammed her on the ground, where she heard her bones crack. A giant Orkandu foot came crashing down on her face, and the pain was too much. She blacked out. Cal walked into her house. The smell of evening stew touching her nose as her mom tossed spices into the family cooking pot. She smiled, beckoning Cal to the kitchen. The great room was a half-family room and half-kitchen with wooden couches, chairs with green pillows, a great dining table, a counter for preparing food, and a fire pit. Her cousins gathered around the small table in the center of the couches playing a game with a wooden round and square pieces. Others were lounging. Her uncle carved a bird from a wooden block. He looked up and asked her about the walk. The houses in Cal's village were massive. They were several stories high and housed many families. Though Cal and her mother were the only ones from her inner family, her extended family was huge and the house was always busy. Cal wandered to the kitchen side of the room to watch her mom cook the stew. 
It was a large pot with vegetables, meats, and root plants. She could smell the cooking, and her mouth watered. Her mom nodded and continued to cook, humming a tune while cutting the veggies. It was a tune that Cal had heard many times before. It was slow, beautiful, and not one of the village tunes. It was a medley her father had sung, a tune from a music box her father had left behind. The solar cells had shattered one day when Cal had dropped the device. Though music from the blocks wouldn't play anymore, that didn't stop her mother from singing the familiar tune. The people of the village sang musics of the ancestors, except for Cal's mother, which left Cal wishing she knew something more about her father. The singing began to slow down. The notes stretched out a little too long. Something was wrong. The chords became more dissonant until the music was imperceptible. A bright light shone from the windows. A fire burned through the halls of the house, engulfing her mother, who continued to stew the pot in her last moments. The fire streaked towards Cal. Cal woke up in a dark hallway. Her body ached, her breath was short, and her ribs felt shattered. The Orcanduit nearly killed her, and her body protested the abuse. She forced herself to her feet despite the waves of pain. There were several doors in the hallway. Screams came from a door at the end. A human face poked out, and the screams subsided to moans. The face was wrinkled with goggles over his eyes. She recognized his teeth. They were gold and silver, marked with rot. He looked at Cal and said, I'll be with you in a moment. Cal heard a shriek of metal on metal coming from the room, and the door slammed. A few seconds later, the screams continued. Cal limped up and down the hallway, looking for a way out. All the doors were locked except for one. The door opened to a horror show. There were tanks and various dead star species and body parts. A body pieced together from various star species parts was on the table, a large tube full of wires and liquid connected to a disembodied purple head with large eyes and orange hair. Cal stumbled back in horror when the emerald green eyes of the head popped open. Oh, hello, the head said to Cal. What are you? Cal backed towards the door. I seem to be a head at the moment. Y your head, it's, it's, Cal couldn't bring herself to say it, detached. Oh, oh yes, quite right the head explained. All my parts are detachable. I'm a quad helix. A, a, a quad helix? Most forms of life have two DNA strands. I have four. It's complicated, but the short of it is is that I'm compatible with limbs, cells, and organs of just about any life form. Y you steal people's limbs? Oh, only after they are dead, out of courtesy. But they have to be fresh, so we cut deals with morgues. Most species don't keep the remains anyway, so recycling makes for a healthier planet, as my mom used to say. However, the doctor hasn't been quite abiding by Quad Helix rules of courtesy with his crazy experiments. What is he doing to you? Cal felt a presence over her shoulder. It was the human from earlier. He leaned into the tank and looked at the Quad Helix. His teeth glinted off the surface, <laughs> splicing his DNA into other life. Imagine if double helix life forms could use the abilities of the quad helix. We, we could live forever. <laughs> Provided you have enough body parts, Cal spat. Some of us must die so others can live forever, but 
That's the way it always is and always will be. Now, let's take care of those wounds, but after a thorough exam, I found something interesting in the DNA sample I collected when we first processed you. When the human put his hand on Cal's shoulder, she spun around to fight despite the pain in her body. She knew humans had soft flesh and were probably weaker. She swung her fist at the human, but it was too late. He injected her with an E-needle, and she instantly went limp. Her body wouldn't respond. She attempted to cry, but even her lungs would not react. She was frozen. The human smiled. Come, let's get you fixed up. You may call me Doc Dr. Fesslerk. I am the physician. Cal woke up in her cell a day later, the horrors of the insane doctor echoing in her mind. Cal's initial appointment, as Dr. Fessler called it, involved poking, prodding, and various forms of torture. Every tissue that could be cut, scraped, or sawed was taken for collection. There was no attempt to comfort Cal or deaden the pain. She had been treated with painkilling roots at home when she broke her bones. The repeated breaks as a child had helped her endure would be devastating torture for most. Dr. Fessler didn't take pleasure in Cal's pain. The insane doctor just worked without any reaction or comment, except to note her interesting physiology. Dr. Fesslerk told her he would have to run more tests because she was the most unique individual he had ever seen. He said that he had never encountered a star species quite like her. Eventually, the pain was too much for even Cal to bear, and she passed out. She woke to Halfno, secreting some gooey substance on her. Cal stood up in the bed, ready to fight, as she attempted to wipe the slime off, crying out, What are you doing to me? Relax, Halfno said. It's a healing agent that will mend your wounds and strengthen your muscles. She didn't quite know what to make of the bug just yet. What do you want in return? Nothing. I find it's best to make peace with your cellmate. Now can I finish? Cal sat back in the bed. Hathno sprayed more goop. The substance was warm and green, and the effects on her body were quick. She could see chunks of flesh taken by the doctor fading away. While the doctor left her skin in bad shape, he had at least fixed her ribs that had been shattered by Granork. It no longer hurt to breathe. You, you could have warned me, Cal said, and looked out the cell door. She could see a couple of rows of the spiral and nothing more. The lights were dim, but not off entirely. About what? The doctor! From what I hear, you should be more careful when you decide to make enemies of an organdu. I needed to. To what? Nothing, Cal said and turned over her in her cot. Halfmo wisely didn't press her. He shuffled his way back to his bed. What happened to your legs? Cal said after a while. Halfmo wiggled his stumps. These? Oh, that was a long time before I got here. And if you are wondering, the healing serum only closes wounds. It doesn't regenerate limbs. Why are you here? I made a mistake. Unlike most who seem to only look at a touristic you the wrong way and end up here. Cal didn't press any further. It was too much for one day. The goo calmed her nerves, and she drifted to sleep. Later that night, when Hathnol's healing goo wore off, Cal woke to the pain returning. She thought about Sarge. Even though he had betrayed her, she still wanted to defend the man. She invented a scenario where Sarge was much of a victim and of circumstances she. She imagined Sarge seeing the spaceship in the sky and running to the village. Since he wasn't as deft 
on the terrain, he'd stumble over rock, tumble the hill, and be knocked unconscious. He'd wake several hours later to a burnt-out husk of a village. Cal envisioned Sars kneeling in the crater of her home weeping. However, Cal knew her fantasies were not true. Sarge was making his Kansas City barbecue of banjo meat and drinking fermented grain drink. He probably built a new cabin deep in the woods and would live the rest of his life as a free man. Sarge was like every other inmate here. He was out for himself. Cal felt alone. She longed to be back in her village before she could stop herself. She wept. All right. That is some more Cal... Cal's Truth for you. Uh, I hope you're digging it. If you are, go ahead and tell a friend or leave a review. The first story, Cal's Truth, is free to download on Amazon in the Kindle edition. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll <laughs> get some... Uh, I, I do have a professional Audible uh, version of the first five stories. So that's out there. If you like, I'm going to skip ahead to at least story five. But story six, seven, and eight haven't been done on Audible yet, and who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll use these recordings for them. Uh, maybe I'll be the one narrating uh, <laughs> the stuff instead of a professional. I mean, I'm not as much of a professional at at this kind of stuff. Uh, you could probably tell sometimes, like you know, don't pronounce words correctly. You know, kind of trip up on what I'm saying and. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe not enunciate or something. I don't know. I know actors are really trained at this kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I took two years of acting in college, uh, which is probably more than most people have taken, but you know, it's only two years, man. Like, <laughs> like that's barely like learn how to memorize lines and do a couple theater shows. You know what I mean? Like, like that's about the extent of my acting. Uh, I was always more behind the scenes, you know, even when I was doing sketch comedy, I had about two years of, of doing that uh, on stage, and I only, uh, only did, uh, maybe, you know, small parts, like, I, I liked having, like, a line or two in the show, I think if I were to ever, like, actually have, you know, <laughs> like I said, I'd love for this to be in a, a, a TV show one day, I, I would love to have a part in it, but uh, not a main character, probably, I'd love to be, like, that's the writer, you know, you know what I mean? Like a trivia moment. Uh, <laughs> one line, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh my god, it's Godzilla, you know. <laughs> that would be the coolest thing. Anyways, uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. And yeah, uh, go ahead and take a look at all the other stuff on the Real Paranormal Activity Network. You got my show, Aaron's show, Terry's show. You got all the, the different various... Uh, ghost hunting shows as well as some you know fiction shows so yeah uh, enjoy the stuff that rpa has to offer uh, uh, offer author <laughs> i am the <laughs> i guess i'm has to author because i'm an author get it anyways has to offer <laughs> once again not <laughs> that's why i'm not the, the, the trained actor right uh, but yeah enjoy and have a good night goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. 
rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.